Thank you for tuning in to the 122nd episode of Barbershop Sports Talk with me, your host, Daryl D. Lane. Going to be a shorter podcast than usual. We're going to get an interview out, an interview that I did about a month ago. Uh, Tyler Frederick, uh, John Carroll defensive tackle, uh, came on the podcast. Uh, it was a really interesting interview. We talked a lot about the college football playoffs. Also talked a little bit about the NFL, Cleveland Browns, uh, just his season in general and the John Carroll football season. A really interesting interview. I really enjoyed having him on the show. Sorry I got this out a little bit late. Uh, A lot of other stuff having going on. But this is the podcast we're going to release for today. So without ado, let's get to the interview that I did with Tyler Frederick, John Carroll, Defensive Tackle. Back with Barbershop Sports Talk, we have a very special guest with us, Tyler Frederick, uh, defensive tackle for the John Carroll uh, football team. How are you doing, Tyler? Good, good. How are you? I'm doing good. Now, the first thing I want to ask you is this. Uh, I was just reading up on this. You used to play soccer. Yeah. yeah. Just, talk, just talk about that a little uh, bit. Up until third grade, I played uh, soccer and baseball, and uh, soccer was actually my favorite sport, and then... I mean, I was, the only reason I was good at it is because I was bigger and faster than everybody, and uh, I was the only kid who could kick with my left foot, because at the time I didn't know if I was right-footed or left-footed. Um, so I played soccer for a, little, a few years, and then my dad one day just asked if I wanted to play football, so I gave it a shot and kind of went from there. Now, 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 it's really interesting, too, because a lot of people, when a lot of people talk about football in terms of, like, concussions, like, football's dying, people, less people are playing football, they always talk about, like, soccer is the sport that, like, more kids are going to play, you know, both in the fall. So how did you end up switching from soccer to football? Just, it's kind of funny how that ends up happening. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I loved soccer, and everything about it was fun. It kept me in shape, like, at a younger age. But as soon as I put the pads on for the first time, it was... I never really looked back. I mean, football practice is one of those things where you don't like going, and whereas soccer practice it was always fun, baseball practice was always fun, but there's just something about football that kept me around. Any cross training from like either sport like that kind of helped you with football? Um, I mean, honestly, I first started lifting and working out for basketball okay. um, in fifth grade. That's what got me in the weight room. So, I mean, I guess just the fundamental movements are kind of the same in each sport that uh, carried over from season to season. Now, would you say you were more naturally talented at football, soccer, or baseball? Um, Natural talent, I would say probably either baseball or basketball. Okay, Um, okay. I guess when I lived in Georgia from uh, the time I was five years old till I was 10, it was baseball year-round, and you just kind of mixed in football and basketball with it. But baseball was everybody's main sport. Um, so that kind of became the dominant sport for me. And then when I moved here, uh, around middle school is when I kind of started getting a feel for basketball and realizing that I was pretty good at it. And like my principal, my parents, relatives, everybody thought that basketball was my best sport. Um, they just thought I was good at football just because I was bigger and faster than everybody. But uh, basketball, both my parents played in college. 
So that was kind of just the natural thing for me. Um, but then as I got into high school and things of that such, football kind of kept going and took off uh, a little more than basketball did. Now, when did you start playing football? I started playing football in third grade. Okay, third grade. Uh, and I was also looking at this, too. You were a running back, right? Yeah. And then you ended up playing offensive line the next year, which is just crazy. You're telling a running back, you're like, hey, we need you to go block somebody. You know, how did that conversation go? And how did you feel? Were you like, um, I mean, growing up, it was always running back and middle linebacker. And then my freshman year of college, I was, or freshman year of high school, I was our freshman quarterback and linebacker. JV fullback and defensive tackle. That was the first time I'd ever played defensive tackle was on the JV team, and then I was on varsity fullback. Um, so I would play three days in a row. And uh, I think at the time I was like 5'10", 205 pounds. And they, the coach pulled me to his office at the end of the year and just said, look, like you're already going to play defensive line next year at the varsity level. We need you to move, make the transition from fullback to running back type guy to guard. And I was like, okay, like, what does that entail? And he kind of just said, I need you to put on 30 or 40 pounds in the next calendar year. Um, so to me, that was just like a pass to eat whatever I wanted and work out as much as I wanted. Um, so, I mean, it was a transition that I had to make at some point. It just happened earlier rather than later, but it worked out in my favor. So you were a little salty when that conversation took place? You are like, yeah. Uh, I mean, it is what it is. Yeah, you're like. <laughs> I didn't have much of a choice. <laughs> now, which one did you like playing more? Do you were kind of like, oh, offensive line's pretty fun? Or like, no, I hated offensive line. <laughs> I hated it. There's nothing about it that I liked. Oh, the, you know, they always have to hold back monsters. You really oh, get yeah. no stats. Nobody <laughs> ever says, oh, my God, what a great block. What a great fan clay block. Right. He did, right? Yeah. But they always talk about when the quarterback gets sacked and you get, like, bull rushed down to the ground. Offensive line. Now, what I do want to ask you, right, so John Carroll football, you guys had 10 wins this year, right? We had nine. We had nine, nine, nine almost in that. Uh, had a really good season, uh, nationally ranked for basically the whole, the whole year. Mm -hmm. uh, only one loss, Mountain Union, and you don't make the playoffs. Just just talk about that. Yeah, I mean, it, uh, it, was, it was crazy. It was just a weird – we had that selection show – all set up in uh, Jardine. The whole team was there, coaches, administration. And then after that first round of uh, the first bracket came up, they had, so the selection show isn't live. Okay. My roommate was back home watching it live and texted me and just said, hey man, I'm sorry. And I immediately kind of got up just I, before it was even over. I thought about ripping the projector out of the seat so nobody else could watch it, but I just pulled my beanie over my head and walked to the back of the room and just kind of sat there. But I don't understand it. Our coaches don't understand it. I think we – I mean, after we didn't get in the playoffs, they moved us up to rank to be number, rank number seven in the country, so it doesn't make any sense. Um, but it's just one of those things you got to live with in life and a learning experience that life isn't fair. Um, I mean, we finished on a seven-game win streak, so I went out with, in my college career on a good note. But it's just life isn't fair. You just got to live with it. There's nothing I can do. Now, how many at-large bids are there? Five. There's five. So in their eyes, they have you seventh in the country. 
Uh, so were you guys the highest ranked out of all the at-large teams? Teams would have been eligible yes. for that large. Okay. <laughs> you know, do you think it was like kind of regional bias? They didn't watch you guys play. Like, how do you feel? Like, what do you think? Um, I think it was maybe just incompetence. How many points we gave up to Mount? Um, they looked at that and said they couldn't even compete against our own team in the country. Which that was. Mount does only, that to a lot of schools. <laughs> yeah, they one they do it to a lot of schools, and two like. The second half, we shut them out. Um, so I don't know. I really don't know what they were looking at. I mean, North Central, the team that got the last at-large bid over us, is in the Final Four right now, and they beat Mount. So, I mean, they got it right with that team going in, but <clears throat> to put a 5-5 five and five team in, regardless of if they won their conference or not, and then they go and lose 68-0, to zero, it's just wrong. But it is what it is. So how would you change the playoffs for D3? If you could. I would take – I would probably take the, say, ten best conferences in the country, give those conferences an automatic bid. And how many conferences are there in the – 27. Okay, 27, okay. I would give those top ten an automatic bid and then leave the last 22 spots open to the best teams in the top 25. That's a pretty good idea. Because, I mean, Case Western got in. We smoked them in a scrimmage every year. Like, should they have really been in? They won their conference. But you set it up that way, I don't even think they're ranked. Now, is it, when you watch the the, the show, uh, the college football playoff show, or whatever, how they have it, is it kind of like D1? Is it kind of like how they do it like that? Or is it not really all that spectacular? I mean, not all that spectacular, but it's similar where they just put up a bracket and then start filling it and show, like, highlights of each team as they put them in. That was cool. Now, during your time at John Carroll, you've been part of some really good teams. Your freshman year went all the way to the semis. Junior year, you were in the playoffs. Uh, and then this year, you guys wheeled off seven straight uh, wins. Which, which year is the most memorable for you? Um, I mean, based on just recency bias, I would say this year. But I would also say this is the most fun I've ever had playing football. Um, just based on the guys that were around us and the leaders of our team, the freshman class was good. But then if I really like look back and think on all four years, I would say my sophomore year, because we went six and four and we struggled, but it was like the beauty, I guess, that came from that struggle of that team to come together for the following year. And like just that off season, it kind of resonates in my mind is everything that you think about with uh, like the struggle and then what comes from it. And it was just like a year-round thing that we came together as a team uh, to get to the playoffs the following year. So just kind of thinking about that whole process is what's going to stick with me. Now you were first-team OAC this year. Uh, you're a senior. Any post-career plans? Football, maybe? Um, I'm not really sure yet. I got invited to the uh, Dream Bowl in Virginia and then the uh, small school showcase in Texas. But I – turned down both of those um it just was too soon after the season for me to make a decision I talked to coach Arth recently and uh we he said if I needed anything just reach back out to him but I think my plan right now is just to get in the best shape I can possibly get in cut some weight and then if I would like to try and attend a pro day or attend any showcase in March April then I'll go for it um if not I'll hang up the cleats and call it a career now, would you be interested in playing, like, Canadian football? Are they, like, the XFLs having their thing, or is it um, just... I would probably say I'll try and make 
an NFL team, NFL practice squad, or I'll just hang it up. It's uh, I need to make that decision sometime in the next few months, but it's not something that has ever really been my dream. My dream would my dream's always just been to eventually at some point be the best dad I can be and be the best like uh, person I can be off the field. So I'm kind of uh, working towards those goals of my future rather than football right now. But if I can get in shape and decide to give it a go, then I'll give it a go. Now, well, let's say you're at a combine, right? Let's do this. Uh, and the scout's talking to you and they ask you, what's, what are you best at? What would you say? Um, I would say my leadership. Okay, what are you worst at? Um, wow. I guess I'm terrible at uh, adjusting to things on the fly. Like, during a game, I'm terrible when it comes to that. As Coach Long, I'd freak out on probably once a game because something would just go wrong. If something wasn't perfect, I was losing my mind on the sideline. What player in the NFL right now do reminds you of yourself? You're like, oh, I can do what he does. I don't even know, man, because I love watching like Aaron Donald, but he's no comparison. <laughs> uh, it's not even close. Um, I honestly can't even think of anybody because I don't, I don't look at any of those guys and say, "Wow, I'm like that." Because now they're six four, two hundred and ninety pounds and ripped up, and I'm like, ah, six foot. <laughs> okay, now what? Okay, how about this? Which player kind of you're like? I kind of want to play like him. Like I'm taking some stuff that he does. Um, I try to take everything I possibly can from Aaron Donald, okay. just because he's unbelievable. But would you say Aaron Donald's the best defensive lineman in the NFL? Yeah. Oh yeah. Best defensive player in the NFL? Mm. That's a tough one. Uh, I'd say right now, yeah. Actually, uh, yeah, yeah. NFL top 100 had him uh, number one. Really? Yeah, they had him over like Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, wow. and everybody. It was like, what is going on? But he is really that good. Yeah. Just, just talk about when you have somebody that plays D-line, defensive tackle, that can dominate a game, how that helps a defense yeah. and how that can, like, wreck an offense. Um, I mean, we – looking back on the last four years, we kind of had that in me and Connor. Um Teams, I mean, even after games, well, I think we were playing Wilmington, it was the first quarter, and they completely changed their offense to play us. And we asked them why, and they said that's what happens when you play the best defensive line in the country. Like, uh, our middle linebacker, who's a first-team all-conference guy last year, and then I think again this year, he, uh, Chad Stallnecker, he was a safety and a corner coming in. And because of who he had in front of him, you could put him in middle linebacker and he'd be okay because they're not coming off double teams to go to him. They're staying on us um, the whole game. So, I mean, it really helps you be able to design your defense around two interior defensive linemen, just knowing that we're going to be taking up between the two of us probably five blocks of play. And your DNs can have one-on-ones with a tight end or be unblocked. Um, so it really helped our defense. I'm anxious to see what they do next year with it. Um, because it's the first year without me or Connor. Um, but I know they'll be fine. They got another guy coming up, Danny Garkar, is going to be really good. So we'll see. But it definitely impacts the game 
Coach Cochran, when he recruited me coming into my freshman year, just said that you win and win games and lose games with the defensive line. And uh, it was pretty evident that that's the case here. Now, when you're watching somebody and you're like, yeah, he's really, really good. Even at the D3 level, when you just watch somebody play, like what makes a good D lineman? When you're looking, you're like, okay, like that dude's really, really good. Um, you got to have good hands. Um, kind of just a savviness to you because you're a bigger dude, but you have to be able to move. And I think I developed it as my career went on. Connor kind of came in with it as a freshman of just, you say, okay, yeah, somebody's coming to block you one-on-one, -on -one, but your goal is to make the tackle. So you don't care about that guy going to block you. It's just about having like that mental state that you can beat absolutely anybody in front of you because you're literally going up against a 300-pound guy and you have to get past him and make a tackle. So you have two jobs you have to do every play. Um, and it's just kind of having a savviness, good hands, good feet, good base, and then just having like an attitude about yourself. you got to be crazy to play defensive line. Now – what, anno what about an offensive lineman annoys you during a game? Everything. <laughs> uh, no, I, uh, I don't know. Anytime they try and talk trash, because offensive linemen are so bad at it. Um, when they step on your feet, on a, even if it's on accident, just get your foot stepped on. It's terrible. What about when they start cutting you? Oh, yeah, I mean, they don't, haven't done that as much this past year, but when they do, it's the worst thing. Because they're just going at your knees, and I know they're not trying to hurt you, but a lot of them think they're, like, big badasses, and they'll come and try and take out your knees, and it's like, dude, what are you doing? Like, that's just saying you can't block me. That's what that's saying. Now, what are you doing at offensive lineman's talking trash to you? You're just like, ah, <laughs> you got to get back um, into it. You can ask the guys on the team. I... I kind of have a different personality on game day where some of the stuff I say on the field I will never say to a human. Um, but it's I, – I, I mean, I usually initiate the talking, but it's as soon as they say something back is when I'm, like, offended. Like, why are you talking to me? <laughs> and I'll take it to a new level. Okay, so trash talking-wise, are you kind of like a Jalen Ramsey? Like, you're kind of um, – not really. I, I'm not that bad. I come at people's lives, like, <laughs> personal, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll research everything the night before the game. Okay, that's what Shannon Sherman said. He said to read <laughs> I research everything. Family members, girlfriends. Oh, so, so you know names. So you know names. You're looking at people's stories. I'll, I'll find absolutely everything. Oh, my God. What's the most rattled you've ever got somebody when you're like, wow. Like, I was trying to get you on your game. And you a little, I wasn't um, trying to go that way. Like what I said to someone? Yeah. Uh, I told the kid, I don't even know if I can say this on air, but I told the kid that if he held me again, I'd slit his throat and I named all his family members by name and said none of them would miss you. And he was just like, and he was a freshman. So he was just like wide-eyed kid, like, oh my gosh. <laughs> when you were serious, you look. You try oh, to look yeah. that serious. Oh, like I look that serious. Uh, yeah. So, what do you like better, stopping the run or rushing the passer? Uh, I mean, rushing, getting a sack, like a solo sack, definitely feels the best. But when you know a team absolutely cannot run the ball on you, it's just like the greatest feeling because it's demoralizing for them. Like, that's what teams pride themselves on is running the ball when they absolutely can't. It's like, yeah, like what, what are you trying to do? It's a good feeling.
Do you have a sack dance? Um, not really. I uh, just kind of whatever comes to mind on the field. Me and Cal have a handshake. We usually do after every big play, but kind of whatever comes to comes to me on the field, the emotion wise. What's funner, rushing from the outside or the inside? Inside, it feels like you did more, like it's more rewarding. The outside, I think it's easier because you're one-on-one -on -one with somebody. Um, and the quarterback, as long as he doesn't run the complete other way from you, like he's got to come into you. Um, I would say rushing up the middle because you're beating two people and it just feels better when you get home. Now, you got a Cleveland Brown shirt on. I also have to assume you're an Ohio State fan, too, oh, yeah. right? Okay, Chase Young. Describe him as a defensive lineman. Just describe him. Um, yeah, around your age. Like, yeah, I mean, I saw well, – there was a picture that I saw on Twitter last week where he they, were, they posted his stats, and it was like zeros across the board. But then there was three dudes blocking him. And it's like, wow, that – that's that's like a, your goals as a defensive lineman is to have three people trying to block you. He's he's a man amongst boys. Number one draft pick. I mean, the Bengals need a quarterback, so I don't see how they don't take Joe Burrows. But I think he's the most talented player in college football. Now, how do you feel about like the de defense for Heisman campaign? Like he's going to uh, the Heisman ceremony. You know, the defensive players never get the Heisman. But how do you feel about that? Why don't defensive players get you know kind of the shine when Chase Young was probably the best player in college football, but it's probably going to go to Joe Burrow? Yeah, I mean, offense puts up numbers. Like offense, they see the points on the go on the board because of the offense. I think Joe Burrow's story has a lot to do with it. Of him being from a small town in Ohio, going to Ohio State, transferring. Um, and then him just having the season, the last two seasons that he's had. Chase Young, like you said, and like I said, he's the best player in college football, but I think they'll give it to Joe Burrow just because of everything that surrounds him and the fact that he is an offensive player. Um, I mean, Chase Young will get Defensive Player of the Year award, whatever, but as a defensive player, if you win the Heisman, like, you're the real deal. Now, who do you have won the college football playoffs? Right, Ohio State's two, LSU's one, Clemson's three, Oklahoma's four. Who you got? I mean, I hope it's either Ohio State or Oklahoma because I got money on both of them. <laughs> <laughs> Your eligibility is gone. You can't. My eligibility's gone. You can't. <laughs> I don't have any eligibility. <laughs> as soon as I have it, you're like, oh, my God. I can start. <laughs> so you have it on Ohio State and Oklahoma? Yeah, I got 15 on both of them. Okay. <laughs> Who, who, do you, who do you have winning between those two? Probably Ohio State, right? Hopefully Ohio State will win more. What makes Ohio State so good? I mean, Urban Meyer was a great recruiter, so he was still playing with one of his classes. But, uh, I mean, they just have the talent. I think Ryan Day does a better job of getting everybody to play to their full potential. Urban Meyer would just get the talent, put it on the field. But I think Ryan Day is doing an incredible job there. Um, you can see that they're playing together. It's not just a bunch of individuals running around trying to increase their draft stock. These are guys that want to go win and want to play together for each other. And, I mean, that's what championship football teams do. Now, how would you feel if you got the chance to scrimmage against Ohio State? Instead of instead of Case, instead of Case, like, oh, screw Case. Yeah. Um, I mean, that'd be cool. It'd be a good opportunity. As a team, we'd get smoked, but I think I could compete. I think Connor could compete. I mean, that's 
the level that we would want to play at, I think we could compete at a, against their offensive line. Now, if you knock down their center, how much trash are you going to be talking? <laughs> I mean, I don't shut up from the minute the first whistle blows, so it probably wouldn't be a ton different. <laughs> no, these guys are main cheers, so you're going to have a lot of material. You're going to have a lot of material. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, also a Browns fan. How has this season for the Browns made you feel emotionally, right? It's, yeah. it's been from they're the dream team to yeah. they're not very good. I mean, I don't get too emotionally invested in uh, professional sports because it doesn't impact my life in any way. So I try not to let it ruin my Sundays. Um, I don't know. I mean, I didn't think – my expectations for them going into the season were not – as high as most other people's just because it takes time to gel, it takes time to develop. It's a first year coach, OBJ's first year at the team. It, it just, everything takes time. It's not gonna happen overnight. I mean, when LeBron went to the Heat, they lost in the finals the first year. Um, you can have all the talent in the world, but if your team's not playing as a team, you're not gonna win. What would you say the biggest reason for the Browns not being successful is? Is it, you know, Odell, is it Baker, is it Kitchens? I think they're just undisciplined individuals. That's really it. They're, I mean, you saw in the Steelers that first Steelers game. That's undisciplined as it gets. And then they all they, like seems like a lot of people just care about themselves. Um, I mean, truthfully, I think Baker's a team guy, but he's not getting that back from other people, and that kind of is causing a little bit going on there. I mean, Nick Chubb is probably one of the best teammates that's on that team, and you see the seasons he's having or season he's having. It. Uh, yeah, it'll come around. They'll be all right. What do you think needs to change for next year for the Browns? Honestly, I I mean, they need to draft some O-linemen or get them in free agency. I would give Freddie Kitchens one more year. Really? I would. What else they can get? Nick Saban. Nah. Mike McCarthy? No, I, the only person I'd get is Ron Rivera, if he could. Okay. Why uh, Why Ron Rivera? Uh, he just seems like a good dude who brings that family atmosphere that the Browns need. They've been lacking that for years, and they need that kind of togetherness. What is your funniest story you have about just the, the season this year? A really funny story. John Carroll wow. football, a really funny story. Something that you'll always remember. Something you'll, you'll tell your kids about. I need to think about that for a second. Um, it's got to be something with Cal Reynolds. Um, I mean, something as simple as, like, we, we had act up playing in uh, the locker room, and Cal's in his underwear dancing. And Cal and Coach Along have, like, this silent, like, beef between them for the last three years. I mean, it's silent on Cal's end. <laughs> Coach Long's always going off on him, but, and he's just dancing, singing, whatever, and the music is blasting after Coach Long's told us to turn it down probably two or three times. And uh, he walks in, and Cal turns around and has both his hands behind his head, and he's kind of thrusting his hips forward, and he just make eye contact. I mean, that was just one of those moments where you just lose it. like. I don't know. There's a, there's a lot of moments this season specifically, but nothing I can really put my finger on right now. It's just a lot of – anytime a coach yells at one of us, it's a moment that creates laughter. So, 
If you could have any kid on the football team be coach for a week, who would it be? Uh, Nate Leopold, he's a sophomore. Huh? I mean, he's going to be a coach, but he's probably the smartest football player I've ever been around. How would the team do if Keyshawn was head coach? I don't know if there'd be a team. <laughs> <laughs> what about if you were the coach? How would the team be? I think it would be all right. I mean, I don't know. I think we were a player-led program to begin with, and like me – Chad Stalnecker, we're two of our big leaders. So I don't, I think it'd be all right. I mean, I coach some of our JV, I help coach some of our JV games. They'd be on a headset at those. And what are you going to miss most about playing with Connor, being right next to Connor? Yeah, I mean, everything. It, even if either of us go play at the next level, it just won't be the same. Like, for the last four years, we've been together through absolutely everything. So it'll just be a complete change in scenery, change in, like, we just had so many inside jokes for the last four years that nothing will be the same. And Father Sabo. Now that's actually where I met you, Tyler. Father Sabo. Just talk about that, the whole Father Sabo. Yeah, that was my guy. Um, Father Sabo, it was me, Cody Kidd, you, Delosier, Connor, Marty, uh, who else was in there? Chips. Chips. Eddie Williamson. <laughs> uh, we had a good time in there, man. He That was my favorite class we ever taken in Carroll. Man, when that guy would cuss us out, there was nothing better. <laughs> so how motivated would you get, right? Playing Mountain you're down 10 points. You know what your coach does? Brings in Father Sabo to give a motivational speech. Would that get you going? I mean, it'd make me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> it eased it. It would ease everything up. <laughs> I actually bumped into Father Sabo. He was uh, passing up communion at um, the funeral for Tony DiCarlo last okay. year. Okay. And I called him Gerald. And he was so mad. I've never seen him that mad. I've always wanted to ask Father Sabo. I, I didn't know uh, fathers were allowed to curse. I guess he is. <laughs> he has special special rules. Now, my last question for you: you Could sign undrafted free agent any NFL team? Who would it be? Honestly, I might go. Uh, definitely not. Uh, I don't know. Raiders are moving to Vegas. Vegas is a nice area. Probably either there, Carolina Panthers. I like the Carolinas, or like Jacksonville, somewhere nice, nice weather. Um, I grew up in Atlanta, so maybe the Falcons. Yeah, I'll go Falcons. Tyler, thank you for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And that's it for the under the twenty second episode of Barbershop Sports. I'll again, I want to thank Tyler Frederick for coming on the show. And that's it for the under twenty second episode of Barbershop Sports Talk.